Welcome into the Nebraska 247 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by BC and Brunts here on this exciting Wednesday, just days before the football season starts. I guess it kind of already started. Brunts, did you get your your Mountain West Pac-12 fix? Yeah, just inject it right in my veins. I mean, were, were you a little fired up when Colorado State uh, won that game against Oregon State? I mean, I know those are your favorite conferences Playing that each was, other. It was hard. it was like choosing among your favorite kids. But I would like to point out that uh, I mean, and this wasn't a big limb, but when I co-hosted on the ticket, that was my uh, Colorado State over Oregon State was my Mark Banker lock of the week. So um, uh, I felt pretty good about that, especially when they really kind of turned it on at the end. Yeah, uh, doesn't the the Oregon State program not not looking great? My my prediction that I made to you, I think, a couple of weeks ago about how I thought that they might beat Minnesota doesn't doesn't look particularly good right now you're gonna have to do a little bit better than that to beat the boats when the when the flotilla comes rolling into Corvallis um I do have to say speaking of Mountain West uh was very excited about the first quarter for San Jose State really thought they had something going against USF and then uh the the depth issues and Stuff like that kind of caught up to him a little bit. The second quarter caught yeah, up. To him. Yeah, I mean the, the, <laughs> the game continued, unfortunately, but uh, there was there were some signs of life from the Spartans, and I kind of like that. So how did Winky Flowers look? Uh, short, um, as usual. Uh, do they? I was disappointed that they didn't call him Winky uh, as much. On They're the, calling him Quentin. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So. But I, I still uh, will remember when he visited Nebraska and walking by him thinking, God, this guy's going to be a quarterback, and uh, he showed what I know. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. All right, so we're, we've got football. Nebraska have been practicing for about 75 years leading up to this game <laughs> at this point. Yes. Uh, I don't know how you guys have felt at media availability today, but I was walking around yesterday uh, talking with some players, some coaches, and my overall feeling was it's about damn time for a game. I... I don't have a whole lot of questions that haven't already been asked or dissected or all of that, but uh, are you guys ready for, for the, the season to get underway? Uh, yes. Um, I, I got the... Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I got the feeling the guys were a little tired of me and my questions the other day. Not just me, but I'm speaking... <laughs> <laughs> the ego on this guy. Jeez. I was just, I'm just speaking from... Uh, you know, when I w- went up to guys, it was it's like, all right, I'll, I'll answer your question in as few words as possible, and let's move on to the next thing. But um, they're they're all year too. I mean, Keith Williams said it uh, the other day. He wished the game were already here. Um, so you know, it's 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 been a long off season to begin with, and then when you add in that, it feels like that extra week just made it even worse for us. But we're here. Brian, you wrote about it this week about just how drama-free this fall camp has been. Um, I mean, drama-free is essentially a, uh, a synonym for boring, right? I yeah. mean, like, it has been a boring camp. Yeah, it has. From our standpoint, I think it's been really boring. And I, from a coach's standpoint, that's amazingly good. You know, it's just um, lack of serious injuries. I, I mean, I know the, the Chris Jones thing happened before camp, and obviously that's going to be something to monitor how they – how they fill in for that during the season. But then, you know, the McQuitty injury was was news, and it was a headline, but that's a true freshman who's just going to add depth. He's not going to start this year. So, knock on wood, unless the guy goes down here in the next day or so, there, it, there you did it. Um, I have to say, from fall camps I've covered, Nebraska made it out of this one about as good as you could possibly hope for after you got past the whole Chris Jones situation which was really unfortunate some famous last words for nebraska's health right there from <laughs> from bc who's who's always quick to try to get injuries and did you notice that he pulled team. his hood over his head when he said that too just for for effect um you guys always ac- the sunglasses you guys seem to always that. accuse me of like stirring up the idea there's going to be an injury or a decommitment <laughs> well i mean bad news only seems to happen if you talk about it so okay uh, here's a question, though. We we got some news, a little bit of news this week. With uh, it was depth chart day on Monday. Always an exciting day, I guess, around uh, the football program. Was was there anything? And you guys have probably been asked this several times on various radio shows. Did anything surprise you? 
did anybody end up in a different place than you they, you thought that they would? I'm not surprised by it, but I think the biggest story on the depth chart is the fact that you have two true freshmen at backup nose tackle behind Mick Stoltenberg, and I think we all saw that coming over the last couple of weeks. But still, you know, DeAndre Thomas, as good as I know you guys thought he was going to be even when Nebraska signed him, to play that position and to have to give the snaps that he might have to give as the backup nose as, at that age, a guy who just got out of high school is rather incredible. Um, that I mean, even even with the great Sue, it took a year and a half, two years before he was really starting to make. His and that was after his redshirt as a year. college player. Yeah. So, what DeAndre Thomas has done, and the way his peers talk about him, older guys on the team, um, that's major props to him for for getting to that spot. Even if it is somewhat also connected with the fact that Nebraska just didn't have a lot of depth there and that's why they have to put him there but you still have to give him his due this isn't something that's gonna like jump out maybe to a lot of people but it was it caught my attention this is probably the most exciting pair of kick returners Nebraska's had in a while mm-hmm. uh, I mean I, I don't mean to say this to disparage anyone who's done it the last few years but but <laughs> but since Amir Abdullah, <laughs> there really hasn't been that kind of threat that a guy has the game-changing ability on kick return. I mean, I, I think with J.D. Spielman and Tyjon Lindsay as the two guys back there is a significant upgrade in terms of, in, in my mind, that that ability to, to to break a change or to flip the to flip the field. I mean, I, I think that those two guys have elite athleticism. I mean, you and I have seen Spielman. Uh, at his best when it ter- in terms of getting defenses turned around in the return game. I mean, we saw punt returns, but I think that, you know, those two have the ability to really help Nebraska utilize special teams as more of a weapon than what they've done in the past. And, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from Trey Bryant, who, honestly, when I looked at the numbers, did a pretty good job last year in terms of getting decent field position. But you never really felt, aside from I think there was one return where he got past the 40, that he had the opportunity to really break one open. I think with Spielman and Lindsey, that could be a real threat for them, uh, you know, in, in the return game. And then, of course, you have a healthy DPE ready to go back there on punt return. I think special teams, I mean, uh, you have the change in the coach, but I, I think special teams could be really interesting this year. I've heard a lot of good things um, through various high school coaches that have had an opportunity to check in on things about uh, Caleb Lightburn, as weird as that sounds. Uh, he's had a really nice fall camp. It hasn't been talked about a lot, but uh, it sounds like he's really good to go, and I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of negative one-yard punts. He said he, he was aver- or two weeks ago he said he was averaging about 48 yards a kick um, in fall camp, which, I mean, if you get that, you feel pretty good about. I mean, that's, that's 10 yards longer than what he averaged a year ago, uh, that, that minus one-yard kick withstanding, I guess. Um, the The... Kyron Williams being third team, I mean, I know that got a lot of attention this week, but you kind of see the writing on the wall with that. Throughout. Since the spring, Since really. Since the spring, yeah. It just uh, seemed like there were guys in front of him a little bit uh, for whatever reason. just hasn't clicked. It, it, it should be noted, though, that you know after practice, he's been working extra on special teams. He's going to have a role there. So uh, I, I guess credit to him that you know he's, he's still staying involved. Uh, the other guy that as we've kind of learned this week and, and gone through things, Muhammad Barry, number two at, at that middle linebacker spot, isn't a surprise. But Mike Riley saying yesterday that Barry's essentially a third starter at that linebacker spot. Bray saying that as well. Yeah, it, it's notable um, because you go back to the start of basically the spring. Anytime there was a play being made or uh, there, there was a turnover forced or a big hit, I mean, he was usually involved in some way. And I, I, I'm intrigued to see him because you, you go back to his freshman year when he comes in at, you know, maybe 205, 210, and now he's you know, a solid 235, seems to be in a good place mentally. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do. And I think that, you know, him getting a black shirt also kind of tells you what they think about his potential. Mm-hmm. The other... These are more minor things at this moment on the depth chart, but it does speak to, I guess you could say, maybe some depth worries. They get the one cornerback spot. Um, Jeremiah Stovall got on the two deep 
actually. But, you know, he's ahead of Tony Butler right now um, as a backup corner. He's obviously wouldn't be the, the third corner's DiCaprio Boodle. Um, and then Markel Dismuke, who I haven't heard his name a lot. We haven't talked about him a lot. He was on the two deep uh, ahead of Kyron Williams. So, you know, I, that's got to be encouraging for guys like that, especially Dismuke, who, you know, like I said, we don't talk about, and there he is. He's, he's at least in the conversation as the season begins. What do you guys make of the just the overall makeup of the two deep? I mean, it's real young. You're going to have, I mean, we knew that Nebraska's going to have a small senior class anyways, but when you see it on paper, um, I mean, you're basically going to have like 85% of the guys on the 2D back next year as, as long as you don't have attrition and that kind of thing, which you probably will, but I mean... Oh, uh, you don't want to throw in as long as they aren't all going to the NFL? Uh, Somebody's not an optimist. <laughs> the... Uh, it's just interesting because this it feels like something's building a little bit with depth that I can't recall Nebraska really having in the last few years. Well, it also, I mean, it's funny because whenever anybody talks about the 2018 Nebraska season, of course that's like the Armageddon season. You yeah. know, toughest schedule ever or something. Yeah, it is a tough schedule, but it's like, you know, Nebraska, they might as well just that's five wins that yeah. year and all this stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't know how you play the 85 Bears 12 times in a season, but yeah. you do it. Yeah. Well, it's remarkable because the 2017 schedule is one of the toughest anybody had ever seen, but then 2018. <laughs> now, I think the 2018 schedule is tough, but if people look at it from the other side of it, like Michael's getting at, Nebraska's roster should be building up to be really good in 2018. Um, so it, it it's kind of an interesting collision there. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of what, you know, you go back to Mike Riley's opening spring conference, or spring press conference, and you, you thought about how he sort of addressed the idea that this was a transition year, that kind of thing. I mean, you look at that depth chart, what kind of looks like you would expect when you move from a mm-hmm. team that was pretty heavy, veteran dominant, to one that you got a lot of guys that are stepping into key roles. Maybe we should make predictions on the 2018 season here. <laughs> I, I think that that's fair. <laughs> kind of go a different route than everybody else this yeah. week. <laughs> well, let me change the... Uh, <laughs> You're get the... Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned predictions. Let's just jump into it. What, Brian, are you looking forward to? Actually, let's start with this. Okay. What will be the first play called by Nebraska on offense? Either of you can, can jump in and take it. Uh, a standard draw play. It gets about three yards. And, like, polite clapping from Nebraska fans. That's one of my favorite plays in, in Memorial Stadium. It's just a, just a simple run play that gets about three yards. <laughs> and Nebraska fans are – this is probably everywhere. They, they don't you know how quite to react to it, but there's kind of like just a – All right, we'll take that. Let's it's, go. It's second and seven. <laughs> they can maybe work with that. I'm going to go play action to a, like a curl route to the tight end. That's going to be my call. It'll be the first of nine. You know euphoria in the stadium if the tight end is the first play? Uh, yes, and it would only be a close second to some kind of like fullback dive to Luke McNitt, I think. That would, that would draw the biggest amount of applause. But I, I'll go with uh, the first of Tyler Hoppus' nine catches on the day <laughs> on Saturday. Put me down for the most successful running back screen Nebraska has run in its three-year period. You're just going screen right out of the <laughs> screen right, right out of the gate. Screen That's all Riley's going to say. It is a changing of the guard. No <laughs> more zone option. <laughs> it's just screen West Coast football starting Saturday at 7-12. What if it's just like a go route to Stanley for like a 70-yard touchdown? Well, don't you... <laughs> The takes would get very hot. Yeah. Your thoughts on what would cause the biggest stir? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, a good stir or a bad stir? Because no, I can go good, to a dark place. Well, here. I, I could get, yeah, bad stir is if that, that <laughs> stud gets loose and, and hit blindsides Tanner Lee. That would be the bad one. But the good one is uh, um, Lindsey Spielman. If one of those guys. Kick return? A little Jets. Oh. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Spielman takes one like 98 yards to the house. First so time he touches the ball in college football. The stadium just like collapses. 
Man, we're getting some people really excited for what most likely is going to be a three-yard run. Sorry, I'm over here looking at the 2018 schedule. <laughs> what are you seeing? It's tough, but I, I think the way it breaks up isn't isn't too bad. If you can make it through October, you got a shot. People love that first play discussion, though. <laughs> they, they really do. Well, the other discussion everybody loves, who scores the first touchdown of the year? Hmm. This will probably be a poll question on the site here, and uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, stand the man, stand the man on about a twelve-yard touchdown pass. I'm going to jump in before Brunt so I can take the Tyler Hoppus okay. uh, prediction. Uh, I know that he's probably leaning that route. I'm going to I'm going to go Divine Zigbo crashing through the line on third and short from about the one. Nice. Third and goal from they the kind of have to unpile them, and they're not sure if he's yeah. in. Yeah, they're, nobody they're, knows whether they can release yeah. their balloon or they're, not. They're circling his knee to see when it hit. The yeah. clock keeps running for like ten to fifteen extra seconds as the refs figure it out. Yep. That type of it, deal. That's my call. Am I a terrible person if I'm always yes. amused when balloons are released on plays that are called back from being touchdowns? No. <laughs> it always makes me laugh like where do, every time. Where do you come down on field goal balloon releasing? Are you are you a pure a balloon purist and want the touchdown? Yeah, it's a touchdown. I, I mean, why would you be releasing your balloon on it ha- the field? It happens. I I thought it was first point. I just thought it was a touchdown. No, I think it's isn't it just getting on the board? Uh, somebody's gonna have to email the show and let us know. <laughs> we clearly don't know how the balloons operate in Lincoln. All I know is that those things are going to Michigan, and some bird is gonna have a tough time with it. Yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll appear on the 2018 roster when we're all waiting for Harbaugh to release that next August. Well, he's got till September 22nd next year to do it. So, all right. Well, let's stick with 2017. So we know what the first play is going to be. We have guesses as to who the first touchdown is going to be. What do you think this game is going to look like? I mean, if you had to kind of sit and think about it, and first game under the uh, the Tanner Lee era, what uh, what are your expectations? What do you think this can can look like for Nebraska on Saturday? I think they're going to want to get the ball out quick. Um, I mean, that's that's usually the case, but especially against this defensive front. If, if there's one thing where Arkansas State can wreak some havoc, and it's probably the most interesting part of this game, it's, you know, they can get pressure on the quarterback. They've got a guy with a 31 career sacks. He's chasing an NCAA record. Number 11 is, is, is who to watch um, for them, and of course, the other side of that story is the Husker O-Line is coming off a game, and I know it was nine months ago, but their, the last taste in their mouth was just getting tooled by a, by a rush end. <laughs> and it is the first time the phrase getting tooled is <laughs> yeah, used on like the podcast. It yeah. Expect um, a return. So you can you could tell yesterday from Langsdorf um, that, I mean, that has just been on everybody's mind over there. We you got to stop that edge rusher and slow him down and keep your quarterback upright that's the only thing that can you know that can turn it into a bad day in a hurry yeah I think the Tanner Lee could set up for a pretty nice day Arkansas State's secondary is one of the weaker points of the team uh, but as Brian mentioned they they do have this sort of defensive line that should give Nebraska fans a pretty good indication as to where the offensive line is at I mean this is a group that's going to be the best that Nebraska sees in non-conference and probably the best that they see until uh, Wisconsin and at least in terms of, of talent up front. And so because of that, uh, it's going to be interesting if they're able to run the ball, if they're able to move guys out. I mean, um, they've got talent not just on the ends in terms of pass rushing, but they can be pretty strong right there in the middle of that line. And so uh, I, I'm going to be curious to see if they're able to move the ball running. Um, and then, of course, you know, Tanner Lee, like I said, he's going to have some success, I think, against the secondary. It'll be interesting if they get – go down the field quite a bit or if they just try to pick apart short like you said the quick releases work against that pass rush a little am i i mean am i off base here and thinking that that arkansas state could give nebraska a little bit of issue on defense i mean i know that their line is in a big state of flux they lost pretty much everybody from a year ago but you've got a quarterback who was at oklahoma um Big kid, you know, he's 6'4", 215, can run a little bit. They like to throw deep. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see if they also throw in some wrinkles, too, because they were the, the ones that had that guy 
lay down in the middle of the field last year uh, as a trick play. Oh, yeah. I'll be curious to see if that happens uh, or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot – it could be a good test for Lee and Jackson and Boodle and, and Stovall early on in this game, especially if they try to take some shots deep because – you know, it's kind of like a, a puncher's chance, I guess, where you hit a couple of those and all of a sudden the game looks a little different. But am I off base there? No, I don't think you are. I mean, Trent Bray made a comment yesterday that he thinks that the offensive personnel on this team uh, is as good as just about anybody they play in this first month. And so they they think that they're going to get a challenge, and he thinks that Arkansas State won't hesitate to pull any trick out of its bag in this kind of game. And so... For, for him with the linebackers, I know you're talking more secondary there, but with the linebackers, it's been a lot about, you know, doing your job, staying home, don't overcommit in any sort of direction or any of that. And so you've got a, a defense that's going through an adjustment, switching to the 3-4, first time you know, the fan base is ever going to see it. Um, didn't see it at all with that game against, or with the, the red-white game. So I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas State's able to put some points on the board early. I expect Nebraska to be able to, to stem that tide, though, a little bit as the game goes along. With games like these, usually a team like Nebraska, the Power 5 team, is okay, even if it's a tough, hard-fought game, as long as there's not that one play where it's like a 10- or 14-point switch, where you know it's like a deal where Nebraska's driving. I always think of the McNeese State game a few years ago where that could have been just a comfortable... Saturday for Nebraska where they win by 17-21. Had to scrap a little bit for it. But remember, Tommy throws that pick six when they're driving in and a guy returns it like 95 yards for a touchdown. And it's a play like that where if it happens Saturday, it's like suddenly, you know how it gets in that stadium. You just feel the weight. Like you feel that pressure. It's just over the top of everything. Yeah. And that that's where it gets worrisome if there's that big turnover or something like that so, but, some audible growing uh yeah. groans and well everybody's so close to the field there it's like hovering on it when you're down there and it's and it's tight you can just feel the angst you know like riding on guys shoulder pads really yeah. so all right well let's uh let's throw some score predictions out there i think the line is currently set at 16 and a half if i have that right um what uh, what do you guys anticipate? Well, first games are always so tough to call, um, but I'll say I'll say forty to seventeen, Nebraska, something like that. I think they're going to have to work, but will depth depth will be the difference at some point, and they'll pull away. Also, sometimes it feels like in games like these, the offense goes out there for the first series or two. And they're like, man, this is a lot easier than what we saw in practice, you know. And, and it, you know, they go down the field in an eight-play, 70-yard drive. That happens quite a bit in games like these. So, that, that who knows? I mean, that that's a real possibility, too, where guys have talked about it all week. You go against this Diaco defense, and they see, see all these different curveballs, and they see eight different blitz packages in a one period. And now you go into a game against a team that maybe only runs at three or four blitzes, and it's just it's elementary to you. So that's a that's a possibility too. I'll say forty to seventeen, Nebraska. So we got a we got a cover from from Brian. Cover, yeah. Put put that money down. I will. Uh, I'll say forty two to twenty, Nebraska. I think cover. a cover. Um, I'll say a defensive touchdown in this one. Not a uh, opening kickoff for a touchdown. I'm not going that far, but say 42 to 20. All right, we got a second cover from Brunts. Uh, I'll go a little less points than you guys at 35-17. Uh, I also think Nebraska can cover the 16 and a half point spread. Uh, I like I like them to kind of pull this game away late. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than maybe people want early on, but then uh, Nebraska's offense maybe shines a little bit towards uh, the second half, the depth they're able to pull away. Maybe you spend part of the game just pounding away at that defensive line with Divino Zigbo and Trey Bryant, and then those guys are able to get some more yards late and can put the game away. So, uh, I, you know, a clean sweep here with the schedule uh, amongst us of, of Nebraska winning, covering that line. Uh, all of us kind of have it in the double digits. We all have it in the double digits. I mean, I, I think it's going to be um, – 
pretty interesting opener for them. I mean, not BYU interesting, but certainly more so than, what was it, last year, Fresno State, mm-hmm. where they looked like one of the worst teams that has ever shown and up. That game was 21-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter against a really bad team. So, yeah. I mean, Nebraska just in recent years has not shown you the type of stuff where you say, oh, that's a two-foot gimme putt any game, you know, at this point. Which you you didn't probably mean to bring this up, but it's always something I think about. Nebraska could really benefit this year more this year than maybe in previous years of putting teams away early so they can get guys reps. Like if if you want to get young players in the game uh, and you want to see where your some of your your guys are at as you're building this depth, you want DeAndre Thomas to play the last 15, 20 snaps in the game or Damian Daniels or whoever. It would be who Nebraska more so this year than in any previous ones that I can think of in recent memory to really kind of take advantage and, and get teams, you know, build that lead early so they can get guys out there. Even if it's, you know, Jeremiah Stovall getting 20 reps, there's just enough players that have not played a snap or have not played any sort of, like, anything that they really could use kind of a, you know, ass-kicking Yeah. To, to, to get those guys on the game. Think about two years ago. And, and that whole discussion about Mike Cavanaugh rotating offensive linemen and all this and that, you know, if you look at that season, there was only one game all year, South Alabama, where Nebraska was in control in the fourth quarter where you could actually play backups. And, yeah. and I know a lot of people say, oh, they used to always rotate this and that and all these guys, and, and they maybe did a little bit more. I don't know. That's an interesting discussion. But a big part of that was Nebraska just used to clobber people, and by the halfway through the third quarter, the second and third teamers were on the field. It just hasn't been that way. All right, well, we're going to, for most of the remainder of this podcast, run through Nebraska's 20, or 2017 schedule. Uh, we'll skip 2018 for now. I know that has been a suggestion. Brunt's spending too much time researching who's all coming back on the 2018 rosters for for other teams, but we'll we'll go with 2017. So Nebraska, everybody has them at 1-0 right now. Travels to Oregon for the second game of its season. Goes into uh, Eugene. Gets a, a Ducks team. I don't even know who they play in the, the first week. Uh, that, it's like know, Southern Utah or something yeah, like that. That should also be 1-0. This will be the, the first real okay. challenge of the, uh, the Willie Taggart era. Uh, an opportunity you know, for Nebraska to convince that it does belong amongst... Uh, some of the top teams in the country. So, what what are you guys thinking uh, with this game, and then ultimately, what are your predictions? Go Browns! I I look in looking at Oregon's depth chart that they released. I was I figured there'd be some young guys on it, but there was a lot of youth on that roster. Um, a lot of familiar names to you know basically guys that were Nebraska was trying to to get recruiting wise. Uh, Diamador Lenore being one, Nick Pickett being another. Uh, I think that Nebraska should be okay in that game, and I, I think that they're going to go out there and win. I think it's going to be similar to last year where you're going to see a close game, but it feels like – I mean, I, I think Oregon's building something. They're building back. I just – I don't know that they're going to be there yet to, um, you know, kind of deal with Nebraska. I'm, I'm going to say a narrow win, like, within – five points or something like that so I think they they go on the road and start 2-0 yeah this is a toss-up I don't I'd be surprised if it's a game that's settled by more than seven points either way I'll I'll say a narrow loss just because I don't know both teams are such mysteries but I've, I've been on so many road trips with Nebraska football in recent years where it always seems like you're in the airport after a loss after these games coming back. And so, I don't know, I just, they just have to break through that wall a little bit where they're that kind of team where you feel like they can go in a hostile environment. And I know there's a lot of people who think that's going to be a red takeover game with a lot of Husker fans. I think there will be a lot of them. Uh, it'll still be a tough road environment, and that fan base in Oregon is going to be really fired up for that game. Nebraska caught a break that it's in the afternoon and not at night there because it is one of the loudest stadiums, even though it's small. That's the first real, I mean, I don't want to overlook this game, but that's the first real Tanner Lee Diaco game to a lot of people. That's like, okay, what do you really have here? 
Um, I'll say Oregon, but it's close. It, like, it could go either way. Yeah, I um, I look at this game and I see, and this isn't a perfect comparison, but I see similarities to Nebraska going out to the Rose Bowl in 2012 against UCLA against a, a relatively young Pac-12 team with some talent, uh, but nobody really sure what they were going to look like. The difference there, Jim Moore had coached, I think he was in his second year with UCLA, Willie Taggart in his first. I think that it's going to be hard for Oregon um, to 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 do everything they need to do to win this game. I, I like Nebraska's chances of winning out there this year. I think that if this was you know on the 2018 schedule, not that we really need to get into that, it would be a little bit more difficult. But I, I do think the transition year. Uh, with a coach taking over, especially one where you got a young roster, you got a lot of guys that are going to be playing really their first games against Power 5 opponents, uh, that matters. I mean, if your first contest to simulate Nebraska is against Southern Utah, guessing Southern Utah doesn't have similar talent as Nebraska. I'm sure there's people out there that are thrilled to hear such a comment on this podcast, but I, I think that that helps Nebraska in that regard. I I, I'm with both of you guys. I think the game is going to be under a touchdown. I think it's going to be relatively close. But I like Nebraska to kind of pull away, win in some of the important areas of that game. I think special teams is going to be huge. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a big game for, for Nebraska to win field position, for, for Drew Brown to be uh, as accurate as he's been, for Caleb Lightborn to help flip the field when necessary. I think special teams are going to be very important in that game. They're going to be important all year, but – that one in particular, because I think that's an area where Oregon isn't going to be very good. And so that's an advantage Nebraska can can really have and, and one that they need to utilize. So um, jumping into that third game, 11 a.m. kick here in Lincoln. Uh, back coming off of the road, you got Northern Illinois, a team that nobody really has a great feel for outside of they've got a pretty good running back. They played roughly 73 quarterbacks over the last three seasons which is remarkable because I don't know how you could have that many on your roster. But uh, they, they really haven't decided, I think, what they're going to do on offense. So it's going to be kind of an interesting team, but maybe a sleepy mm-hmm. sleepy game in Lincoln. Yeah, Oregon. that's the only danger, I think, is that it, sleepy is the word. It's one of those 11 a.m.s right after Oregon, right before Big Ten play, where you have to kind of fight, fight through it a little bit. But... I'm not going to spend a lot of time, and I think Nebraska wins a game like that by four touchdowns, something like that, eventually. Um, but I could see where, uh, for a quarter, maybe a half, where you you wonder if Nebraska is uh, looking ahead or looking behind or whatever. Yeah, I, I think I think Nebraska should handle them pretty easily. I, I don't think that uh, it's not the Northern Illinois juggernauts of your um, the Jordan Lynch. Yeah. Jordan, the Jordan Lynch, Lynch lunch pail. Jordan Lynch is not coming out of that locker room. Um, actually, he is, isn't he? An assistant. Yeah, I think, I think he, he, he actually he might be going to the booth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I I don't think Nebraska will have issues with it. I think I think you're right that sometimes those 11 a.m. kicks are a little dicey because there's not much there's not much juice in the stadium. Everybody's kind of flat. So I think, uh, there's a lot of juice in Nebraska is what special teams, right? Yeah. The juice capital juice. Um, yeah, they'll be fine. I'll say they'll win by three touchdowns in that game. Yeah. I I like Nebraska to win by double digits and I'm assuming win by 20 as well in that contest. Uh, agreed with both of you that it may be going to start a little bit slow, but I think ultimately talent wise, they'll pull that away. So the fourth contest, uh, I have Nebraska at 3-0. Brunt has Nebraska at 3-0. Brian has Nebraska at 2-1. Yep. The fourth contest, uh, Rutgers, probably another 11 a.m. kick, though this hasn't been decided, has it? Um, actually, it's going to be 2.30 or 3 p.m. Uh-huh. TV is not announced yet. All right. They're apparently going to televise it. So. <laughs> well, to be announced. The Scarlet Knights. Uh, Nebraska did not play them last year, correct? They, uh, they did not. They were one of the worst offensive teams in college football history last year, and certainly in the Big Ten, where I think they went multiple games without scoring, uh, somewhat like your 2017 Kansas City Royals. Oh! So... <laughs> People are just dropping off the podcast yeah. now because of your shot. So, <laughs> Nebraska, fourth game of the season, third home game against Rutgers, first conference game. Any concern here with Chris Ash and Jerry Kill and... 
what Rutgers is putting together. I, I know that you laugh, but they have kind of an interesting team to me because they have all of these transfer guys. I don't think that they're a, a bowl team, but I think that they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Well, they're going to be coming off of a big game at home against Morgan State. So um, Everybody's got jokes. Yeah, so I, I, I think that Nebraska will be fine in that game. I'll say a... Uh, I'll say a, a 14 to 17 point win at home. It, Rutgers kind of, I think, has the ability to probably hang around with some teams this year, but uh, I'm not sure that uh, they're, they're ready to move the needle all that much. I think this will be one of the worst teams Nebraska sees. I, I have a lot of respect for Jerry Kill. I just think it's going to take him some time, you know, to to play Jerry Kill football. Um, I think this will be a blowout, and I think Nebraska will be ready for this game because it's the opener to Big Ten. There's always kind of that, okay, it's a fresh season type of thing, uh, no matter what happens at Oregon or anywhere else. So I, I think Nebraska will come out and, and roll on that one. Biggest win of the season in terms of um, total it, point it differential? Yeah, I could see it being that. It, it feels like Mike Riley's teams, yeah, well, they handled Rutgers pretty good out there two years ago. It got a little dicey in the end, though. Yeah, well, they Tommy threw, like, threw, like seven three picks, picks in a row. row. I know. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Everyone was immediately ready to jump on that. But, yeah, I, I think it'll be a 31-point type of win. That was Seth and Carter's coming out party, if you recall. Yeah, that could be the, the reverse, and then the uh, the huge snag late to put it out of I can't out wait for Seth and Carter Twitter this week, by oh, the man. way. He's going to be liking every tight end tweet that yeah. Schaefer posts. I, Seathan, for those who don't know, likes to kind of uh, <laughs> like or retweet when uh, it's being mentioned that the tight end's getting the ball a lot this year. <laughs> so I think he's going to be at the ready on Saturday. All right. Well, after the uh, the Big Ten opener against Rutgers, Nebraska goes on the road to Champaign for the controversial Friday contest in which Lovey Smith is fired up to see what that Illinois campus looks like on a Friday. Uh, for his fighting Illini. Uh, this is a team that has, for the last couple seasons, given Nebraska far more problems than you would imagine based solely on talent. Based solely on the fact that they're Illinois? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I think Nebraska will be fine. That, I think that game is going to be interesting because it, it's going to be an electric environment, I think. I mean, you're going to have, <laughs> relatively speaking... <laughs> Relative to what a high school game? To what like Champagne normally is? They they might actually. If you get, were there. It was nothing electric. They was might about actually that game. have. I know that's my point. Like they might actually have the student section halfway full. I just think that the players themselves are going to be a little fired up for that game because they're going to have some more eyes on them. They're not going to be the standard eleven a.m. kick that they're kind of used to. Um, short week. I don't know. I mean, I, I still think Nebraska wins that game. I, I think, too, that there's going to be some bad taste in the mouths of Husker coaches based on how it ended there a couple years ago. But um, I, still, I still think they win by 10. I think it's about a 10-14 to 14 point Nebraska win where it's – it's one. I, I picture it as one of those games where there's a lot of grumbling, like on social media throughout the game, like about how much Nebraska is stinking it up. It, doesn't this like seem like one of those games? And then at the so end, like most of twenty fifteen. Then it's like at the end, it's like okay, they won, it's fine. You know, kind of one of those deals. But I mentioned this when we were at Big Ten Media Days. I think we were walking in the car, and I brought up the Illinois game, and I I think you guys scoffed at me a little bit. <laughs> but I think it I think it's this critical game on the schedule. Because you think it's a bit of a trap game. Well, a little bit. I just think it's the ultimate buzzkill game is the way I would frame it. Like if I mean, they've got Wisconsin, Ohio State coming up after that. And if they're 2-0 and in conference play, regardless of what happens out at Oregon, there's going to be a lot of excitement for when Wisconsin comes in. The only thing that could kind of really mess with things and, you know, would cause a crap storm around here for that week leading into that game, Wisconsin, is if you screw up in Champaign and the subject is about oh can these coaches get it done sort of thing and not about the exciting game ahead well on the electric atmosphere it could make it a little bit difficult for oh. nebraska <laughs> i still can't believe you said electric atmosphere in comparison to what it normally is which is like a retirement home we don't even know if this is going to be true i mean it's a friday in champagne they're all going to hit what else like, are they going to be doing 
studying? Champagneans. I don't know. I don't. Is that what they are? Champ- Champagneites. Champanites. Champanites. That's Mike Babcock. His question. Yeah, I think he was out there for a while. Fair. I think that this is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Uh, but that doesn't. I, I'm sort of with Brian in the sense that, and I guess you. I, I think this is going to be a closer than it should be game. Uh, for whatever reason, Nebraska has not played that well when they played Illinois. They were losing last year in the fourth quarter to start the fourth. Yeah, that quarter. was a game where they had about the drive that took about 45 real time minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They might still be driving yeah. for all we know. Uh, so uh, for whatever reason, I am not anticipating this to be the blowout that it should be. I think Nebraska does win. Um, probably right around that 10-point range that, that both of you mentioned. Uh, but it, it just there's something about Illinois where Nebraska has not done as well against them as they should, at least under Mike Riley. And we curious that game, when it's played, you know, we're talking about 11 a.m. being sleepy. I don't know how much juice is going to be running through Nebraska for a, is it a 7 o'clock kick on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, we'll see, but... It's kind of one of those games where I'm expecting it to be, like you said, you know, pretty ugly and people not particularly enthusiastic. Now, a game that I think people are going to be very fired up for, especially if Brunson and I are correct in that Nebraska goes 5-0 and in the month of September. You have 5-0 and Nebraska, presumably 4-0, and 5-0, 4-0, Wisconsin, uh, who would be coming off of a game against Northwestern. Comes to Lincoln. They bring their uh, Alex Hornibrook. To, to Lincoln and their exciting offense and Paul Christ and his Walgreens hat. And uh, they come to Lincoln for another riveting matchup of Nebraska-Wisconsin. Last year, probably the most interesting game Nebraska played, right? Would that be fair? Yes. Yeah, I think so. You recently rewatched that game, so I'm going to throw this to Brunch right away. I mean, When you watched Nebraska-Wisconsin last year, kind of felt like Nebraska gave that one away. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the fact that in that game you have Tanner Farmer go off early in that game, so your your starting offensive line were two hobbled offensive tackles, uh, Sam Hahn at one guard, Dylan Utter at center, and Corey Whitaker at right guard. Um, and, and Nebraska still, I, I think, gave that game away. I mean, I think the, the play calling down the stretch was a little conservative when Nebraska had the momentum and the chance to win it in the fourth quarter. Uh, the fact that this game is in Lincoln, the fact that I think Nebraska's lines, the, the offensive line will be better. I think the defensive line probably gets overlooked for how well they played in that game last year. I thought Carlos Davis was great. McStoltenberg played well. That front seven in general. Yeah. Nate Gary played probably the game of his Nebraska career in that game. Mm-hmm. Um I, th- I think that Nebraska wins a very narrow game over Wisconsin, I th- and I'm saying that because it's in Lincoln, and I just think that there's Nebraska's set up better than any point that they've been in the Big Ten to beat Wisconsin. So it's going to be one of those games that's going to turn on a turnover or a key play late, but I uh, just based on location, we'll go with Nebraska to end the in the streak. I. W- and picking Wisconsin to win the division, and yet that Saturday, I have a weird feeling. I don't know that the week of the game I would make this prediction, but right now I'll do it because it's so distant. You know, I don't remember it. Yeah, uh, I have this weird feeling. Nebraska just has that day where they kind of take them apart, like you know, where it's just one of those Missouri twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, they win by seventeen twenty one. They, you know, one of those games where it's not a it's just not down to the wire, and Tanner Lee's finding a rhythm. And I don't know. I feel like Nebraska is due for one of those types of games against a team like Wisconsin. And I feel like they match up well against Wisconsin, and they have the last two years in the Riley era. I mean, two years ago, uh, talk about a game Nebraska let get away. Nebraska in the third quarter of that game had the lead had the wind at their back, and had the ball like three different times at midfield to start possessions. And if in one of those drives they can put it together, you know, they pull away and win that game. But that's been the story of that series for Nebraska, if, 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 if. And uh, you just need some guys to step up and make plays. I think guys like some of these electric 
young guys like Spielman, Tyjon Lindsay, that's the type of game where you want to see them have that one play where it's like, oh, he's a better athlete than anybody Wisconsin has over there. That yeah. type of thing. Because I think Nebraska has them out-athleted at the skill spot. Well, and, and I think this is a kind of game where you see the difference more so with Tanner Lee than Tommy Armstrong than in any other matchup on Nebraska's schedule because I think that Tanner Lee's ability to go against Wisconsin's defense. I mean, that was that defense was a bane of Tommy's existence. I mean, yeah. for all his athleticism, he could never really get free to run. He could never really utilize his strengths, and so he had to rely on his arm. And he wanted to go deep multiple times, couldn't do it because they'd roll over coverage or they'd take out Alonzo Moore. Alonzo Moore did nothing in the 2016 game. And that was a guy that generally, when he had a pretty good game, Nebraska was doing well. So I, I think that with Tanner Lee, you're going to have someone who's going to be very comfortable throwing to the tight ends in the seams, uh, working in the middle of the field. Someone that if Wisconsin's coverage isn't precise or good or gets caught up in traffic, he has the ability to hurt him. And, and I think that Tanner Lee is going to be, you know, assuming he's healthy, assuming that things are, are going reasonably well, Tanner Lee is going to be a big reason why I think Nebraska wins the Wisconsin game this year. Mm-hmm. Brunch just watched the game, but look, you're the expert on it over here, Hayes <laughs> boy. But there, there are these little plays with it earlier in the games against Wisconsin in recent years that people forget about, where it's like if the quarterback makes a pretty simple play, it really turns the tide in that game. And there's one in particular I still remember from last year. It was Brandon Riley coming across the middle. It was at about midfield in, like, early second quarter. Yep. And it was a simple pass. Easier said than done for me right here. You could have hit him. But maybe on this play, and, and Tommy threw it out in front of Brandon Riley by, like, two yards beyond him, and it was incomplete. If Brandon Riley catches that in a stride, he probably go, goes inside the 10-yard line, if not scores on the play. It was interesting rewatching that game how much Wisconsin just – didn't have to respect anything Nebraska was doing on offense because Nebraska really wasn't going to run the ball. Armstrong was, you know, making time with his legs. And, you know, the the routes to the outside were well covered. I mean, it was, everything They was, were given the middle of the field and he couldn't take it. Right. I mean, that's the story of Tommy Armstrong in Wisconsin. And I, I think that having somebody that can use the tight end, that can create pressure on defenses in other ways, I think that's a big big change for Nebraska and, and who knows what Wisconsin's defense is going to look like at that point I mean the same way for Nebraska maybe with injuries but they're already down to two linebackers uh, and co- they're going to be coming off a game against Northwestern so well, whatever that's worth yeah all right so um, so Wisconsin stinks it's <laughs> basically what we came with so do we have <laughs> we have five and one six and oh six and oh yeah you, yeah you, all right we're essentially recreating like the 95 season. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, following following Wisconsin. Nebraska faces Ohio State at home, uh, getting what could be the class of the, the Big Ten Conference. It's first matchup with Ohio State since the – oh, actually, they played them last year. How did I forget this? Uh, first matchup out. since last year where they played Ohio State <laughs> after Wisconsin and lost by a lot of points. I don't anticipate the margin of uh, of victory to be so much for either team Hopefully not. <laughs> this year, but you never know. I, I I'll go first. I mean, I, I think Ohio State wins this game, but I'm not not incredibly sold that this Ohio State team is better than last year's team uh, or as good as recent years' teams. I think they've got a lot of questions to answer. I think that they're beatable in the sense that if, if you don't let you know JT Barrett get too loose, which is always been kind of a problem for Nebraska he's gonna struggle a little bit this year unless they have some playmakers step up because Curtis Samuel killed Nebraska I mean you look at what he did to Aaron Williams and that is a game that I imagine Aaron Williams would never want to watch again uh having to cover Curtis Samuel on the slot and just not being able to match him athletically Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that this is going to be a closer game I still like Ohio State to win especially you look at what they bring on the the defensive side of the ball they're going to give Nebraska fits in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I, I like Ohio State in that game for Nebraska's first loss. Oh, I just think there's still a talent gap there. Um, Nebraska is moving in the right direction when it comes to uh, closing that gap. But even even Billy Devaney, I think, uh, 
was had public comments where the one game last year where he said, "Okay, there's a there's a difference." Was Ohio State, and it's it's not going to be 59 points difference this year, but I still think it's 10 to 14 points for Ohio State. I think Nebraska will fight them hard, but uh, I'll put this in the loss column. But it's also the opportunity game. This this is that game where. At some point, if Nebraska football is going to make that big move, they've got to break down a wall and win a game where on the Friday before it, everyone's saying, ah, oh, they're not going to win that game. They don't have a chance to win that game. And then they, they pull it off. It's got, they've got to have that moment at some point in this program, I think, <clears throat> to make the next step. So if you're within that locker room, this game should excite the heck out of you that there's this opportunity in your own stadium. I, I think Nebraska loses by double digits in that game. I, I think the Ohio State's defense in particular it can give Nebraska issues. So uh, I'll say probably a 14- to 17-point loss in that game. All right. Well, to speed this along, we won't dissect much of the bye week that follows that game. Uh, Nebraska then goes to Purdue, and they lost to Purdue in 2015. Riker Fife was the quarterback that day, Tommy Armstrong. don't remember what the injury was. Uh, at that point in time. They beat Purdue last year at home in kind of an ugly, boring game in October. Uh, not anticipating a whole lot from this game other than I think that they have, Purdue has an interesting offense. If David Blau is healthy, it's going to challenge the back end of Nebraska's defense significantly. But I do think that the, the gap in where Nebraska's at and Purdue's at is big enough that they should be able to win that game fairly comfortably. I'm going to say a shootout. Uh, I think it's going to be a duel between David Blau and Tanner Lee in that game. I think Nebraska comes out on top. How many combined touchdowns between those two passing? Nine. Okay, wow. Um, Very specific, if weird. Yeah. But. Uh, I'm all aboard the Blau bus, so I will say nine touchdowns combined between the two, but Nebraska still wins by double digits. I love Purdue's coaching hire as much as any hire in the offseason. I think Brom is just good for that program, and is he is going to, I believe, maybe it doesn't happen this year, but in re- soon, he's going to make them the type of team that's annoying. You know, like, uh, you can beat them, but you might have to beat them like 38 to 34 type of deal. Texas Tech annoying? Yeah, yeah, kind of, where it's you, you just know it's going to be a pesky game, and you're going to have to sweat it out till the end. And I kind of think that's how this game might be this year, even. So I'll say Nebraska wins, but this one is one of those upset alert games to me on the schedule for for this Husker team. And and one of those games where they have to show that uh, they need to show that gap between Nebraska and the bottom part of the division now. I want to see that as much as anything this season, where you see that there is separation between Nebraska and Purdue and Illinois and those kind of teams. So I'll say Nebraska wins, but kind of like a 7-10 to point game. All right, so seven and one, seven and one, six and two. Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, most beloved coach in NCAA football history, comes to town. Northwestern with some expectations on them this year. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. A team that, uh, for whatever reason, plays well in Lincoln. What are you guys thinking with this one? I think Nebraska wins by less than seven. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm not sold on Northwestern this year. Uh, maybe it's just my own issues with having watched Trevor Simeon for way too long play quarterback. Uh, I'm not sold on Clayton Thorson. Justin Jackson's fine. That's late in the year, so I don't know you know, where they're going to be at health-wise. Um, but I, I just don't know that they have the, the athletes on offense, aside from Jackson, to or really, the team depth to handle some right, of those injuries, to, to really threaten Nebraska. So I'll say less than seven. Nebraska wins. Yeah, I like Nebraska to win this game. I like them to. I I think that it's going to be similar to what it was last year. I think this is a, it'll be kind of close for a little while. Nebraska pulls away third, fourth quarter, wins by double digits. I'll pick Nebraska. Close game, but. One thing to note uh, with Northwestern is the two weeks prior, they play Iowa and Michigan State. And, you know, Michigan State was 4-8 and eight last year, but I think they're going to be improved. And I those are two physical teams. I mean, I, I think they're going to beat up Northwestern a little bit. I'm not saying Northwestern might not win one or both those games, but I wouldn't be surprised if they come into Lincoln and, you know, they've got some guys that are battered and, and – you know, or half speed or whatever. So I'll, I'll, I think you got to look at the schedule sometimes and who teams play before they play Nebraska. And I think in this case, 
it is advantageous for Nebraska. Nebraska heads north on November 11th, I believe. They face Minnesota. Uh, first game that Nebraska will have against P.J. Fleck. I think the Gophers might have the worst quarterback situation in the Big Ten right now, which is impressive uh, because it's not necessarily a conference known for quarterback play. I like the Huskers to win this game in part because I don't see what weapons Minnesota has aside from being able to run the ball or do enough to score. Same. I think Nebraska wins that game. I think it'll be narrow, but I think they uh, survived the flotilla this year. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota, I, they're already kind of laying it out there. Fleck has been doing this within the media that they don't have a lot of depth this season, and I don't know. I, I, I'm just not as convinced about P.J. Fleck as everybody else is. I, I'm, I'm really interested, and he might turn out to be that guy, and I know what he's done. But it's a different animal when you come into the Big Ten. And I actually thought Kill and Clays were kind of the perfect coach for, you know, coaching tandem for Minnesota. Like, we're going to play rugged ball. We're going to keep that clock melting on you. And I don't know. If, if Flex switches up that style of play, I just don't know how successful Minnesota's going to be. I'll say Nebraska in that one. All right. The, uh... The game in November that people are going to be excited to see out in State College. Lovely that time of year, I hear. Uh, Nebraska faces Penn State on the road. This is, I think, the best team on Nebraska's schedule. This, to me, is a nightmare game for Nebraska. If Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley are healthy and playing well, I think there's too many weapons for Penn State on offense. I think they can stress Nebraska a bunch of different ways defensively. I think Nebraska's offense would do fine in that game, but I think ultimately the defense isn't going to be able to to keep them in it. I like Penn State relatively big. Yeah, I, I think it, I'd say a double-digit Penn State win. Um, I think I still think that quarterbacks like McSorley are the toughest in college football to, to defend if you're Diaco's defense, and it'll be interesting to see how they match up against a guy like that who can just buy extra time. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Barkley, I think he's maybe the best player in college football, one of the top three. Could be trying to prove his, himself for the Heisman if the season goes as some people think it's going to go for him. So that's a tough game. It's a nightmare place to play and a nightmare time of year to play. It'll be cold and I'm, it'll suck. Yeah, I think <laughs> Nebraska's going to have to be able to run the ball in that game to, to really keep it tight. And I, I think, you know, where we sit now, we don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I think, you know, Barkley's obviously a good player. I still think Ohio State's the best team on Nebraska's schedule this year, though. So uh, I'm not nearly all in on JFF as you are. Um, but I, th I think Nebraska probably loses by, by 10 points. I like, him shooting you, I like him shooting you the glance. <laughs> yeah. This like, guy's all that, in on Kevin Wilson fixing that, that uh, conservative <laughs> Ohio State offense. Huh? Well, things have changed in Columbus. I don't know if you know. but Yeah, they changed when Tim Beck left, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, final game on Nebraska's regular season schedule. Iowa comes to town day after Thanksgiving, the Black Friday showdown. I have no idea what to make of this Iowa team. I don't understand really what they're going to do on offense outside of give the ball to Wadley 35 times a game. I think that's her best bet uh, to, to move it. I don't think they have very good wide receivers. Uh, Noah Fant could be a pretty good weapon for them. That being said... Iowa has played Nebraska well. This could be a, a very, very close game right now as of, you know, August 30th. I like Nebraska in a very tight game, 23-20 type stuff, uh, where special teams and, and field position ultimately win it out. But uh, I could see this going Iowa's way, too. There's a number of toss-up games on Nebraska's schedule. I think this one, like you said, is the hardest to predict. I think they would be fine giving the ball to Wadley 35 times because, as we've seen, that's kind of all they need to do is to just keep pounding their heads into the wall and wait for Nebraska yeah, to make The most it. physical team to ever play football. But, I mean, that that's the kind of game that Nebraska doesn't do well in because they, so they far, basically yeah. just wait for Nebraska to make a mistake. We saw two years ago that's what they did. Greg McMullen was out of, out of place on two plays, and that's the ball game. So I, I think Iowa's going to be decent on both lines. Um, that The game that late in the season, I think, is kind of tough because it really is based on injuries and who's healthy and all that, all that other stuff. I, I think Nebraska coming off a game at Penn State with a short week, it's going to be a little tough. And I just, it always seems to me that 
in the last few years that Iowa has wanted that game more than Nebraska has. It, like, it, it just means more to them. So I'm going to say Iowa's going to win that one in a very narrow win right now with the caveat that I think things can change. Cause, and plus, I need to get to 9-3 and because that's the number I was thinking Nebraska was going to end up at. And I was it. That, that's I need that loss to get to that number. I think people in this state that are Husker fans have a big problem acknowledging that Iowa's a big game. Like they, we all, we always kind of talk around it, and um, but Iowa last year shifted the entire context or how we viewed that season. If you think about how Nebraska was going into that week, they were beat up, but they're nine and two. And the thought was, if they could go to Iowa City and win that game, ten and two, even with that sixty-two-three loss, people would have been jumping up and down about it. Instead, they go get blitzed, and it really did that. On the by the time we were heading back, the narrative had kind of shifted on the season, you know, about oh nine and three, and they're getting blown out again. Um, so Iowa. This game to me is as big as any game on the schedule. I mean, and it's at the end, and maybe they're playing for the West, maybe they're not at this point. But uh, Nebraska has to get past Iowa, and I think turn the conversation to being more about catching Ohio State, Penn State, those type of teams, than it is about oh, can they get over Iowa and Wisconsin? That's like the big hump. That said, I I guess I'd pick Iowa in a close game just because I think. Um, as many question marks as they have now, that's how it always feels like it is with Iowa this time of year. They'll look bad in some game in September, and everybody here will take a lot of glee in it, you know. And it'll be a thing. There'll be all these LOLs at Iowa on Twitter. And is it going to be the Wyoming game? Yeah, Josh Allen's going to throw be. for like seven touchdowns. It might be, game. and people here will be like, "Oh, they stink," you know. And then they will figure themselves out the best they can, and they will just they will play their strengths, and that's. And they'll end up eight and four, and so will Nebraska. <laughs> so eight and four. I have ten and two. You have nine and three. Yeah. But, uh, everybody here would have made some money if they would have bet the Nebraska line in I don't know May when yeah. that came out. It was a six and a half. Yeah. They said. So uh, that's what we got for the regular season. Probably don't need to project beyond that at this point. Uh, real quickly, Nebraska hosting wide receiver Isaiah Crocker. For an official visit this weekend, four-star wide receiver from Intercom out in northern California, almost like Colorado there, uh, in the Sacramento area, I believe. He is coming out for his first time to Lincoln. Uh, friends with Brandon Bradley Hiles, Joshua Moore, talked a lot with those guys at the opening. When I've talked with Isaiah, he's been very excited about this Nebraska visit, and he seems very excited about Nebraska in general. I put in a crystal ball yesterday for Nebraska to land him. Everything I've been hearing for the last month is that Oregon would probably be his choice, but Oregon isn't going to take that many more wide receivers and are saving a spot for Chase Cota, a wide receiver from Oregon that's a four-star that's a little higher on their board than Isaiah Crocker. I know that he also has teammates and friends over at Oregon State, and that's a school with some predictions on the crystal ball. I would think that Oregon State is going to have a tough time matching uh, their wide receiver haul from last year, uh, particularly with Isaiah Hodgins, who Isaiah Crocker is friends with. So I, I like Nebraska to ultimately end up with this receiver. He can help replace Manny Allen, who decommitted here a couple weeks ago in August. would anticipate there will be some other commitments around. Will Farniak, Cameron Juergens, Masri Maypew, uh, those guys. Maybe Garrett um, Nelson comes in from Scott's Bluff. So there's going to be a few people in, but not quite the visit weekend that you know Nebraska's kind of had here on this Labor Day. Anything you guys want to add? I know that we're just destroying records for longest podcast at this point. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I have anything else to add at this point. Brian, how, I know how long did we go? We're over an hour right now, and oh. if people are still sticking with us, God bless them. Yeah, well, I mean, it was fascinating stuff. I was I was entertained, and then you're tapping me on the shoulder like, speed this up, let's get going. <laughs> So, Brian, I know you got a story coming out on Friday. That yeah, you are, I do. Uh, I think it's intrigued. I'm by. excited about it. It's uh, it's about Mike Riley's first uh, recruiting visits as Nebraska's head coach, which were to see Eric Lee, Avery Anderson, the Davis twins, Aaron Williams, all in a span of about 48 hours. And if you think about those guys and their place on this team on opening night on Saturday, um, a lot of them are starting or going to play significant roles so 
Um, that was a pivotal time in, for this Husker football program because if, if Riley doesn't say the right things or connect with those families, um, that class probably falls apart in a big way. It didn't, and now those guys have proved to be very good recruits for this this team it appears yeah and if you even just put that in the context of the change in recruiting schedule right now i mean those visits all happen what would be just days before those guys would have been Mm -hmm. eligible to sign uh, on the the new december 20th signing period uh one other thing to to kind of tease here you will notice if you subscribe to our podcast on itunes that uh there'll be a little three minute trash talking segment uh showing up on your your subscription with the the podcast on uh, on Friday, we're going to have our friend Dave Miller talk about Arkansas State and uh, just kind of give his thoughts on uh, maybe the, the people in Arkansas and the, the program in general as he gets people a little fired up for Nebraska football and downplays the whole Nebraska nice scenario. Now, with that being said, as always, check out the podcast. Or, well, check out the podcast that you're listening to and listen to us next week. <laughs> but check out the website at nebraska.247sports.com. Uh, I'm Mike Schaefer, again, with, with BC and Bronx, and we'll have a ton of post-game coverage for you this weekend. We kind of look forward to kicking this thing off.